welcome to the PaxX Podcast, available on iTunes. This is episode 16 of the show where we talk about everything to do with the passenger experience. I'm Mary Kirby, and I'm joined by my co-host, Max Flight. Max, how are you doing? Hello, Mary. I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, you know, over at the Airplane Geeks podcast, we find passenger experience items have been creeping in a lot lately, but, uh, but you're the <laughs> expert, and this is the place to be for that topic. Max, I have to say I'm not surprised. I, uh, you know, as as we've discussed in the past, passengers are are mobile and they're social, and of course now they're very very vocal. So the impetus now is on these airlines to step up, and uh, and some of them are doing just that. We're going to talk about that in in today's uh, show. Um, but it's my great pleasure to introduce our guest today. Ryan Gee is Editor and Event Strategy Manager at Future Travel Experience. He manages and produces the editorial content for the Paxextastic news source, futuretravelexperience.com, and contributes to the strategic direction of their conferences, including the fabulous upcoming FTE Global Conference in September in Las Vegas. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Mary, and uh, thanks for the, the kind introduction and for inviting me onto the PaxX podcast. I'm very much looking forward to taking part today. Ooh, our pleasure, our pleasure. Absolutely. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Max. Well, let's take a look at some of the top PaxX news stories, making the headlines. For starters, Future Travel Experiences released a story titled, Delta American JetBlue United Southwest and Alaska Go Head-to-Head in IFE Battle. Ryan, tell us about this battle and why has it grown so fierce? This is pretty much about all of the advancements that we've seen over the last few months in the IFE space. And uh, there's been a trend for all of the big American carriers to sort of make make some big changes and take some big steps to make some uh, big improvements in this area. So uh, Delta has just taken a, a pretty big step forward with the launch of Delta Studio. So that makes use of, of the GoGo Vision platform and it allows passengers to stream IFE content on their own device. And uh, this is pretty big news for passengers, especially those on shorter flights, because previously they might not have had any access to in-flight entertainment. They might have been twiddling their thumbs, wondering what to do. And now all of a sudden they can access this content and a lot of it's free as well. So that's great news from a passenger experience perspective. But um, it, it's much bigger than that as well, because it's not just Delta making waves in this area. We had United announced back in May that it's going to offer content streaming via smartphones and tablets. Alaska Airlines is going to offer GoGo Vision wireless IFE by the end of this year. And you've got the likes of Southwest as well. They offer free access to live and on-demand TV. They've still got that partnership in place with Dish, which I believe runs until the end of this year. And passengers flying Southwest can even borrow iPads in some scenarios from certain airports if they want to watch films while they're on the plane. And, of course, we can't forget JetBlue because they've equipped their first A321 with the latest version of the live TV system just a couple of months back. So um, there really is a lot going on in this space. And all of it is fantastic news for passengers because when one big American carrier takes a step forward to improve their IFE offer, it seems that the competitors are, are taking a big step forward themselves. And that means more choice and more quality. So passengers don't have a great deal to moan about in that section. 
I love this piece, Ryan. Um, this is kind of uh, everything that uh, that Max and I have been talking about, you know, for the last seven months, sort of coming to fruition. You know, all these airlines in America stepping up and adopting uh, wireless IFE, and, and many of them, as you say, offering a free element uh, to their product. But there's also an underlying business reason for this, and that is that Delta, American, JetBlue, United, Southwest, and Alaska all offer in-flight connectivity. And as you and I know, the uh, current connectivity systems don't really have the capacity to support a plane load of passengers on the internet. They certainly can't support a plane load of passengers trying to stream video and entertainment. So by also augmenting their in-flight connectivity offerings with free entertainment, these airlines are managing to pull eyeballs away from that precious connectivity pipe. Uh, it buys them some time until uh, the capacity is there to support really unfettered access to the internet. So there's that kind of other element to it. It's not just all fun for passengers. It's really smart business, in my opinion. Max, what do you think? Yeah, interesting, interesting. The Delta Studio, is that the brand name that they're using for this service? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, that's right. Because it doesn't sound, it does't have a, I don't know, a real ring to me for from, from the passenger experience, you know. I, I'm not. Delta Studio. Well, you know what they're doing? Um, they've kind of uh, essentially, in the past they had rolled out GoGo Vision, but that was a, you know, a, a kind of pay-to-play sort of service. Um, and they have decided, uh, whitelisting it isn't, isn't really perhaps the best way to describe it, but now that GoGo Vision product um, runs in the background. That's the technology that supports it. Um, and then Delta is pretty much in charge of the type of content that it wants to offer. So it's really taking a leading role in deciding uh, what what movies and television programs it's going to offer passengers. And what's one thing that we're hearing from passengers is that it is looking and feeling a little bit like, uh, now it's not a duplicate of, but a little bit like a Netflix experience in the sky. Interesting. Now, how does Delta Studio, or how, how does that compare to JetBlue's FlyFi? So the Delta Studio is the actual wireless streaming entertainment. Um, FlyFi is the is a high speed, high capacity in flight connectivity solution. One of the interesting things about FlyFi is that it uh, it is one of the few connectivity solutions in the sky right now that can support um, streaming video over the connection. Um, it's a it's a regional KA band service, and it's um, the speeds and the brand, the bandwidth are are, are really impressive. Um, but JetBlue JetBlue was kind of a little bit of an exception here. United also has the same product on about, um, it's equipping about 200 Boeing narrow bodies. But by and large, uh, Delta, American, and Alaska, they're all go-go in-flight Wi-Fi um, subscribers, and Southwest uses the Global Eagle Row 44 KU. I know it gets all kind of technical, Max. <laughs> It's hard to keep straight. <laughs> I know, I know, but but we're trying. But, um, but Ryan, have you had a chance to try any of these services just yet? Uh, not the the very latest ones. No, I, I'm hoping in the next uh, few months or so I'll be able to. But uh, Delta Studio is definitely one that I'd like to try. So next time I'm I'm over in the states from uh, from the UK, hopefully I'll have an opportunity to use it. And as soon as I do, I'll put across my thoughts on the future travel experience website. Oh yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Do, I mean, do you guys? You know, do, I'm I'm a big Netflix watcher now. This has become my my entertainment when i when i'm not working this is this is what i do <laughs> i love it <laughs> how about you guys are you are you into the netflix thing i'm getting there it's i me. think uh, go, go ahead ryan 
Sorry, thanks, Max. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a Netflix user, and I think that that's a pretty clever step by uh, Delta with taking that step where it's sort of a Netflix-style experience in the sky. Because I think, like the two of us, um, Mary, and, and maybe like you, Max, if you're a Netflix user as well, I think people want that experience that they're used to sitting in their living room to be able to tap into that while they're flying. So for me, I think that's a great step. And I think a lot more airlines will follow suit on that front. So Ryan, do you think in the end, all the airlines will end up offering the same kind of content, the same kind of connectivity? Do you think it'll all sort of equalize out? I think that's probably something that a lot of them will be keen to avoid because they they all want to be seen as being a step ahead of the competition. Um, but I think you're right that there is a risk that a lot of the products will be very similar in terms of the, the Wi-Fi on offer. The speeds will eventually be similar and the content. But I think, again, going back to Delta Studio, they've made an effort here to, to differentiate this from anything else because it's not just GoGo Vision. This is GoGo Vision with Delta's own stamp on it. So I think we will see airlines trying to differentiate differentiate their offer but i think that there will be instances where one airline might have something that looks pretty much the same as what another airline offers hey can i just jump in here and let you know because this just came out of a call yesterday um i I covered the uh, viasat uh earnings conference call which was very interesting viasat's exceed ka uh service supports what we were just talking about JetBlue's flyfi high-speed internet and also uh united's high-speed internet on those 200 uh, boeing narrowbodies that are being equipped and um during the call viasat ceo revealed that the number one channel that uh, that folks are streaming is actually Pandora, followed quickly then by Netflix and other uh, video media. But Pandora Music, mm. <laughs> number one, which I thought was kind of interesting. You know, people, um, you know, there's something to be said also for people being able to access exactly what they want, you know. All right. Well, let's take a look at another future travel experience article that we recently saw. Ryan, you wrote about the common use self-service check-in hall at Halifax Stanfield International Airport. This common use of check-in space is kind of growing in popularity at airports. Is that right? Absolutely. You are right with that, Max. Uh, Common use is certainly picking up and and gaining traction. And this is a very interesting project that you've mentioned, the one at Halifax Stanfield International. Um, Because in North America, we haven't seen a great deal of self-service take up, whether it's common use or not, compared to where we've seen in Europe, for instance. Um, we do have the likes of McCarran in, in Las Vegas, of course. They offer self-tagging and bag drop. But Halifax Stanfield solution really does stand out because it can improve the airport experience through self-service pretty much for every single passenger who's traveling from that airport. So just to give you some background, if if the listeners aren't aware of this story, about a year ago, a year um, ago, I think from now, so July 2013, uh, Halifax International Airport Authority started a project to transform what was a rather dated, old-fashioned check-in hall. And what they've since created is a new facility where passengers can turn up, go to a kiosk, check-in and print their boarding pass and their bag tags, and then move along to a bag drop unit and just deposit their bag into the baggage handling system themselves without any assistance from airline agents in the terminal. So if you're flying with Air Canada, for instance, you can do all of this yourself and you don't have to use a specific Air Canada kiosk or bag drop unit. The beauty of the common use 
is that you can use any of the kiosks or the bag drops, so whichever one's available. And the idea behind that, of course, is to cut down the queues. So what I think makes this really impressive is the fact that the airport authority had to work with all 11 airlines that operate in that terminal to come up with a solution that suited all of them and satisfied all of their needs and which, of course, worked pretty effectively. So that, that's no mean feat in its own right, because bringing 11 airlines together to agree on something isn't necessarily something that can be said to be easy. So um, I spoke to the guys last week that headed up this project, and they're, they're over the moon with the results so far, because they said that the queues are pretty much non-existent now in the check-in hall. So all of the effort they've put in has really been worth it. And um, just to add something else in as well, here at FTE, we're pretty proud of this project as well because uh, when I was speaking to the team at, at Halifax who have worked on this project over the last, uh, well, the year developing it, but the few years before that as well, designing and, and deciding which elements of the project should come to fruition, they said that they've been attending the FTE shows since back in 2006. And what they've heard and what they've seen at those events, people they've met, have really helped to inspire this new self-service common-use check-in hall. So we're pretty pleased that we've managed to play a role in improving the passenger experience for people travelling from Halifax-Stanfield. Ryan, you guys have a number of conferences now all over the world. Of course, I mentioned earlier the one coming up in Vegas, which is we're excited about, particularly because uh, Runway Girl Network has partnered with FTE on a cabin integration symposium, which is going to do a deep dive into what's happening on, on aircraft in terms of aircraft interiors and IFE integration. Um, and also the connected aircraft, um, essentially, what, what can you do with a truly E-enabled aircraft? But um, these conferences are really moving from strength to strength. And, and I just thought this article really exemplified how all of the different players are coming together. And, of course, you guys are looking at end-to-end -end passenger experience. So not just what's going on in flight, but on the ground. Can you talk a little bit about that and kind of, you know, essentially uh, what future travel experience is all about? Absolutely. Um, you're right that our focus now is very much end to end. So the, the in-flight passenger experience is certainly an important element of, of what we do here. But we're focusing on improving every single element of the passenger experience from pre-travel and booking through traveling to the airport, the airport experience, the flight itself, arrivals and, and then the post-travel experience as well. So um, as you mentioned, we've, we've got the event in Las Vegas, and the theme of that is redefining the end-to-end -end passenger experience. And we've got a lot of the, the big airlines speaking in our up-in-the-air conference. We've got the likes of Delta, American Airlines, JetBlue, Norwegian, Air France, KLM. Uh, they're all going to be presenting their visions for the, the future in-flight experience, but also touching upon what they're doing on the ground to improve their end-to-end -end experience. And the reason we think this approach is so important is because viewing the passenger experience as a collection of, of individual parts doesn't really benefit the passenger. Because if one part of the passenger experience is great and another part not so good, then overall, when the passenger looks back, they probably won't be too impressed with what they've experienced. So airlines, airports, industry providers, destination partners, everybody's now recognizing the fact that the passenger experience covers absolutely everything from the moment you decide to book your travel to the moment you get to your hotel at the, the other end. So the fact that they're recognizing that I think is great. And we're trying to provide this platform through the Future Travel Experience Global events and, and our other events as well in Europe and Asia 
to really bring them together and, and help the industry work out and share their visions for how we can create this idealistic but hopefully achievable end-to-end passenger experience. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think that this uh, recognition that the end-to-end experience is what counts in the passenger's mind, that might be a kind of a major tipping point for this industry and, and can lead to some really significant uh, improvements and changes. Uh, you know, I'm curious, though, about the example of the self-service check-in hall. Halifax was upgrading and expanding their their main hall. And so since they were redoing it, it was a perfect opportunity to, to implement something like this uh, self-service check-in. But what's the barrier to other airports also implementing something like this? Is it they, they have to anticipate a or expect a, a complete redo of their facility? For the big airports, that that probably is the case because if you're a major airport with you know millions of passengers passing through each year a lot of the time you can't afford to to do such a major upgrade to move from dedicated facilities for certain airlines to common use self-service facilities because if you close part of your terminal you might be compromising the amount of passengers that you can process at that time so if you're looking at a greenfield airport so the airport terminal of the future for instance then these things can be a bit easier to implement. But the thing that's impressive about Halifax, again, is they kept operating as normal. So they processed all of their passengers and and carried on on a day-to-day basis doing what they had done for for all of the years beforehand. And they managed to do this project in a live environment, which I think is pretty fascinating and testament to the job that they've done at that airport. So um, they've proved that it is possible. There, there are some barriers and the fact when you go common use that you've got to get all of the airline carriers to agree on pretty much everything, that, that can be tough. But I think Halifax have done a great job in proving that it is possible. And they're using equipment supplied by IBM, is that right? That's right. So the bag drop units are supplied by IBM and that feeds into a baggage handling system that, that's provided by uh, Boimer Group. But yeah, you're right, the IBM have, have provided the units for the self-service bag drops. Is that what that CUSS 1.3 platform is? Is that the software that drives that? That's right. So uh, CUSS CUS is common use self-service software. And um, that, that's the platform. So each, each airline has um, their own common use self-service uh, platform. And that another debate entirely is that was supposed to be replaced by the common use passenger processing systems um, standard, which was pushed by IATA. And, and a lot of airports and airlines have been pushing that over the last five or six years. But that hasn't yet received the uptake that I think IATA and a lot of the first movers would have liked. So that's another problem again, because if an airport is investing in new facilities and they want to create a a common use environment, they're a little bit up in the air in the sense that do they go for for CUS or do they invest in CUPS in the hope that there's major industry pickup in, in the next few years. So it, it's difficult for for airports to make the decision sometimes, but I think we are moving uh, towards getting better clarification in terms of cups and cuss and the common use debate. Ryan, the major players in this space include CETA, correct, and uh, Air Inc. Uh, are, they, are they the two top dogs right now? Yeah, so CETA and Air Inc. are both very strong in terms of airport common use and self-service. Uh, but you also have other players. So you have um, virtualization is, is another form of 
Um, it, it's not cups. It's not necessarily cuss. It, it's another, another way of sharing facilities. So you've got um, the likes of, of Air IT and Ultra Electronics as well in that space. So um, Arink and CETA are, are the big names in this space, but there are other companies as well. It's a very competitive environment. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, our final item, and this is really important, I think, that uh, that's occurred in the world of IFE, and that's that Emirates has become the first airline to offer IFE for the visually impaired. Now, Mary, I know you've been tracking the issue of accessible entertainment, both for the, the hearing and the visually impaired. What has Emirates done here, and what do you think other carriers will do? Yeah, no, it, mad props to Emirates here for, for, for taking the initiative. And, and essentially, this is, allows, uh, you know, the visually impaired to be able to experience in-flight entertainment um, through narration. You know, as you mentioned, we've been covering on the network um, closed captioning for the hearing impaired. And many people are, are stunned to learn that um, uh, the vast majority of content um, offered on IFE is still not captioned. Um, and so while the conversation about what needs to happen for closed captioning to become kind of a standard in the industry, while that conversation has been taking place, rightfully so, uh, the visually impaired have been saying, well, what about us? And the pressure is now on airlines to essentially accommodate both. Uh, Emirates is doing that. Also, Air Canada on its 787, they, uh, they also are an innovator in this space, bringing a voice like Siri on the iPhone uh, to their IFE to, to provide narration as well. But it, it is a it is long overdue. Um, the excuses for why it hasn't been done in the past, i.e. technological barriers and, and, and standardization and all of that, the, the community, uh, the visually impaired community and the uh, deaf and hard of hearing community are, are no longer willing to accept these excuses when you have such technological advancements on the ground and when you have brand new in-flight entertainment systems rolling off on aircraft that still aren't offering these services. So um, what Emirates is doing, what Air Canada is doing, and what some of these other airlines are now looking at doing is really, really important and really and truly about time. Now, I can tell you that the Airline Passenger Experience Association, which represents um, kind of all of these content providers and content service uh, providers. Those are the folks that uh, need to uh, manipulate the content in order to provide captioning and, um, and, and, and this type of narration. Um, they're saying that it's still going to take some time before it becomes industry-wide. There's a real cost element to this. And again, everyone needs to sort of get on the same page and start. Um, and, and so this is a, something kind of near and dear to Apex's heart right now. And they are really working hard on it. They have a working group dedicated solely to this. And they're going to start wrapping now the visually impaired uh, element into what they're doing in their working group. But um, I can tell you, we rec recently received a message um, uh, from uh, an individual who is hearing impaired impaired. And he begged us to keep all content that we write about accessibility of IFE and also all oral announcements. There needs to be accessibility across the board. But um, it, he begged us to make sure that any content that we write is available to all readers, never goes behind the paywall and all of that. And we've agreed to do that because it, it really is something that needs to happen. It really should have happened kind of yesterday. Um, now, Ryan, you wrote this, uh, this kind of compelling piece about what Emirates did. And this looks like a unique uh, relationship, particularly with Disney. So Disney kind of deserves some props here as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Emirates have 
have taken the step whereby um, certain movies that they're showing on their IFE system will, will have this audio description um, system. So passengers who who have uh, visually impaired will be able to to watch the IFE essentially and, and get a, a better idea as to what's going on. Because in the past, as you said, Mary, it's an area that's been overlooked and it's a shame really that the industry hasn't done more earlier on this. But um, basically the audio description works whereby if there are breaks in what's going on on screen, uh, there's an audio voiceover which explains to, to the viewer exactly what's happening. And Emirates has been a first mover here. Um, at the moment, there, there are a handful of Disney films. And the great thing is Emirates have said that they're looking to roll this out further. So they're not stopping here. It's not just a case of um, a few films now have audio description. It's very much a case for Emirates, it seems, where they're going to roll this out and um, offer audio description on as much of their content as possible. And that is absolutely fantastic. And hopefully, in the same way that we spoke about earlier in terms of the IFE battle among the American carriers, Emirates doing this will hopefully encourage other carriers to play catch up and do the same. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, many airlines have a uh, a special page on their website dealing with these kinds of topics. I took a look at the Emirates page. It's called their special needs page. And it's really, really well done. I mean, it lists information for visually impaired, hearing impaired, talks about service dogs, passengers that require escorts, oxygen information. And they even have contact information, a lot of contact information for what they call complaint resolution officials just for customers with special needs. So it, it really does look like Emirates is really focused on supporting their customers who have these kind of requirements. Some would say in the industry that Emirates has such deep pockets that it is in a position, a better position than certain other airlines to be able to do this. Um, I mean, I think there is some... Uh, something to be said for that. The Gulf carriers really are uh, kind of setting a standard on a number of levels uh, with respect to the passenger experience in flight. Emirates, of course, well known uh, with their uh, really ultra high-end in-flight entertainment systems. They keep innovating in this regard. Um, they don't go cheap, and um, and and they have you know essentially you know, the money to be able to do this. Uh, the concern that other airlines have is what does this mean from a cost perspective? That is obviously a hot topic right now, but there's a, an increasing acknowledgement that it's going to have to be done. It's kind of a, it's not really a matter of if, it's it's when and how fast they can start rolling this out. Um, also, I just want to add, interestingly, because we recently talked to Emirates' Patrick Branley, who spearheads all of these IFE decision uh, making and, and, is a, and is a regular attendee at these future travel experience conferences. And he has said that Emirates, um, while they acknowledge that this wireless IFE is taking off all over the world, um, Emirates is still really quite committed to these embedded IFE systems um, and, in, and fully intends to offer them for many years to come, the seatback IFE that is actually, you know, allowing them to be able to roll out this, this latest, um, you know, accessibility option for visually impaired. And I think there is something to be said for that. Um, how do you uh, make wireless IFE accessible for um, hard of hearing and visually impaired? These are questions that need, are going to need to be answered as well here in the very near term. So it's not just going to be these hardware uh, monitors uh, that need to address be addressed. It's, it's also going to need to be the wireless front as well. So it's, it's obviously a topic that we, we need to kind of stay on, on top of, right, Ryan? <laughs> 
<laughs> absolutely. And, and you, you're absolutely right as well that with all the talk going on around wireless IFE, um, that, you know, we, we don't just look at the encryption and, and say that's a great solution for embedded IFE systems and then completely forget about the way the industry is going. So definitely something that the airlines and the suppliers need to bear in mind. And um, certainly uh, I'm happy you've raised that point. It's something we'll certainly bear in mind ahead of FTE Global and make sure okay. that, that we ask those questions to the airlines and the suppliers that are speaking in the conference. Very excited uh, about this uh, this conference coming up. Well, we're rapidly coming to a close here. Um, we want to thank our listeners. And remember, you can find us online at RunwayGirlNetwork.com and on iTunes. Be sure to follow all the Runway Girl Network activity on Twitter at at RunwayGirl. And remember to use the PaxX hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience. Join in the conversation. Now we've got people all over the world now contributing what their own personal passenger experience is and also interesting news stories that they find on the web. I'd like to reiterate our thanks to Ryan Gee for being our guest. Ryan, where can listeners find you at and what are the deets to the FTE Global Conference? Okay, so uh, we can be found at futuretravelexperience.com. Uh, we also send out uh, two e-newsletters, so look out for the links on the FTE homepage where you can sign up to those. And you can follow us uh, at futuretravelx on Twitter. And for the event in Las Vegas, Future Travel Experience Global 2014 will take place from the 24th to the 26th of September at the Mandalay Bay Resort in Las Vegas. And as you mentioned, Mary, we'll see you there because you're hosting the Cabin Integration Symposium, which we're very much looking forward to. And there'll also be the Up in the Air conference stream, the On the Ground conference stream, a load of interactive forums, a big exhibition and uh, a lot of nice social networking events for, for all of the delegates to have a chance to, to mingle together and get to know one another too. So hopefully we'll meet some of the PaxX podcast listeners over in Vegas. We sure will. <laughs> all right. Very good. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, Max. So we invite all of you to join us again next time as we talk about the passenger experience on the PaxX podcast. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.